This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 11th, 2021. David, fearlessness. Good morning, CCC. Good morning. <clears throat> Here and at home, wherever you might be joining us, we're so glad you're joining us today as we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't this us? A glorious day to be part of God's kingdom. Can I give an amen? Amen. 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 So today we continue our series. Dave, by the way, it's good to be back from vacay. It was a wonderful week, but, you know, it is always good to be back. You're a connection with all y'all. See, all, y'all is just singular. All y'all is plural. You know that, right? All y'all. Okay. So today we continue our series, David. Uh, last week, Bonnie Seaband talked about David's faithfulness, and thank you, Bonnie, for a Magnificent job. We just uh, celebrate uh, the preaching you do here. And also Barb Auer for leading Holy Communion. Thanks, Barb, while we were gone. So this morning we continue the series as we look at David's fearlessness. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is so good to be back. You know, the sign of a great vacation is when you're ready to come home, right? And being here with you today, we watched online last week, and it's awesome to be able to be online, but it is not the same as being here with you in person. And so we are indeed blessed. I do want to give a shout out to my brother, David. We were together last week and miss you, bro. So, but I'm glad you're tuning in this morning. All right. Um, one more thing, Samantha Ely, it's her birthday today, 16 years old. Woohoo! Sam is one of our younger disciple members of Connection Community Church and serves with everything she's got and is a great example. Uh, you, you really minister to me, Sam, and so thank you for your witness. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the family of God. Thank you for our mission together to connect people with Jesus and the new life that he offers us. It's a life like none other, a life that we are desperate for. And so we thank you for this time this morning. Settle us in wherever we are. Remove any distractions so that we can really feel connected to you, God, and hear your word found in scripture. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody gathered and said, Amen. 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 And so, David's <laughs> fearlessness. Our scripture focus for today is one of the most well-known scriptures in the Old Testament. One of the most well-known stories in all of the Bible. It's the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Has everybody here at least heard of David and Goliath? Yeah, kids and adults alike know this story. And it's not just people who have been to church on Sunday. David and Goliath is one of those stories that transcends the walls of the church. It's one of those stories that travels beyond the church to the world at large. 
when we talk about facing our giants, and that's kind of a, a thing that's out there um, in social media, people who have never been to church understand where that came from, that it's a David and Goliath story. A funny thing about scripture, as many times as we hear a story like this, as many times as, as I've read it, and I know many of you have read it, we still can glean something new, something fresh, or a great reminder of what God has, a message from God. That's why it's called the living word of mm. God. That. <clears throat> so let's look at the story. In the 17th chapter of the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, we're told that the Philistines had gathered their forces for war, war against the Israelites. Not unusual. The two nations were constantly at odds uh, with one another. In this case, Saul, the king of Israel, and the Israelite army are camped on one hill, and the Philistines on the other, the valley of Elah between them. That's a pretty wide open territory, isn't it? I mean, just think of how large that space is. Yeah. So let's take a look at the scripture, 1 Samuel 17. A champion named Goliath, who was from Goth, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Mm. That's interesting measurements way back. Weren't so much an interesting sentiment. They used these words, and they based them on like parts of the body, like a cubit was from here to here. Now, if you're a big guy, it would be a lot more inches than if you're, you know, small, you know, it's interesting, or a span is like this. For me, I have really small hands, so a span's going to be different than somebody who has very large hands and another measure, feet, no, I think it was like 16 feet lined up for church. I mean, crazy measurements, but that's what they used. So when we're talking to cubits here to here, but generally use it a foot and a half, 18 inches, right, for a cube, like when Noah's Ark, so many cubits, we used 18 inches. A span then, is, is like uh, uh, half of that, or nine, nine inches. And so this Goliath character, when you add all that up, was nine feet, nine inches tall, three inches short of the height of a standard basketball rim. Think about that. If you ever played basketball, think where the rim is. He was this much shy of the rim of a, baske uh, a basketball. That's two and a half feet taller than the tallest player who ever played in the NBA. I think the tallest player was like 7'2", 7 7'3", 7 something like that, Manute Bowl or somebody. Um, two and a half feet taller than that. I mean, it's crazy. Can you begin to um, even begin to imagine a human being of that size? And not only was he tall, but he was big and he was strong. It says here the bronze armor, if we compute that into pounds, his bronze armor weighed 125 pounds. Imagine carrying that into battle. The tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds alone. This guy was a monster. <laughs> Everything about him was completely out of proportion to our everyday reality. Everything about him was absolutely giant. <laughs> 
So the scripture tells us that this giant of a man came out of the Philistine camp and stood in the middle of the valley between the two armies and shouted to the Israelite troops, throwing down the gauntlet, so to speak, challenging the Israelites to sound out one man, one-on-one, winner-take-all, this death match (laughs) right there in the valley, right there in the hills between where the two armies were camped. Can you even imagine the scene? I mean, first of all, it's pretty incredible that this giant could project his voice so well across um, the span, this wide open space. Second of all, um, because of his size and his strength, he was absolutely fearless. And third, the entire army of Israelites, including their leader, King Saul, they were dismayed and terrified. So there's a lot going on in this scripture. These Israelites were terrified. Goliath had them right where he wanted them, right there in the palm of his hand, and he did this. Every morning, he came out and just taunted them. Every morning, every evening for 40 straight days. (laughs) 40 straight days. Can you imagine this scene? Now, three of David's brothers, older brothers, the first, second, and third born. I think Bonnie talked about those brothers last week. Eliab, Abinadab, and Shema were part of the Israelite army camped on the hill, listening to Goliath's twice-a-day deathmatch invitations. David, on the other hand, he kind of went back and forth from Saul's uh, army to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And obviously, things worked a little different back then on the battlefront as Jesse, David's father, sent David to deliver some roasted grain and some bread to his brothers on the front line, along with some cheeses for the commander of their unit. Doesn't work quite like that in, in battle today, does it? No. Now, his, and his father told him to go check on your brothers and bring home some battlefront news to, uh, uh, to, to, to me, his father said. Yeah. So early in the morning, David left his flock in the care of another, in another shepherd, as Bonnie shared last week, he loaded up on provisions and he set out as Jesse's father had directed. David reached the camp just as the army was going into its battle position, shouting the war cry. The two armies were drawing up, facing each other. Here's one, here's the other. David left his stuff with the keeper of the supplies. He ran to the battle lines, and he asked his brothers how they were. Now, that's kind of an odd thing going on right now. And just as he did this, Scripture tells us that Goliath stepped out and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Mm. As usual, the Israelites ran in fear. 1 Samuel 17, 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will, be done for the, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Well, the men told David, the king, he, they did, the king had just shared this just before David got there. 
that, that he would give great wealth to the man who killed the giant. He would also give his daughter's hand in marriage, and the family would live tax-exempt. How do you like that one? <laughs> Talking about taxes. Tax-free living. Hey. <laughs> when his oldest brother, <coughs> Eliab, heard David speak unto the men, <clears throat> he burned with anger. Asking David, you know, this little punk brother, anybody here have a kid, bro a younger brother, a much younger brother? Yeah, maybe you understand this. His, his kid brother, why he had come down here in the first place, and how, who did he leave his sheep with in the wilderness? Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to instead of being down here bothering us, punk? It doesn't say that's an Hellenization, but that's what he's thinking. <clears throat> he then shared how he knew how conceited David was, and how wicked his heart that he came down only to watch the battle. Interesting reaction from the older brother, isn't it? You think about why is he racking this? Maybe he's just said, you know, older brother, younger brother stuff, but maybe not only is he afraid of Goliath himself, because all the troops were. Scripture said they were terrified, even along with King Saul. The scripture says terrified. So that includes him. Maybe he's not only terrified himself, but maybe he's fearful that this kid brother will step in where he's been unwilling to step. Anyway, typical kid brother. David asks, what have I done? Aren't I even allowed to speak? You can hear it, can't you? And then he again discusses things with the other men. The conversation's overheard and reported to King Saul and he sends for David. So King Saul had a soft spot for David, and he was trying to protect David, and so Saul told him that he was not able to fight the Philistine, that he was only a young man, and that Goliath had been a warrior since his youth. Well, we're never told David's age exactly. We think of him as a child, a shepherd boy, but the Bible commentary suggests that he was probably in his teen years, most likely between ages 12 and 15. Not a kid, but certainly not a grown man either. Well, check this out. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Kind of sounds like, sounds like Daniel in the lion's den, doesn't it? This Per, this uh, God will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So in spite of the king's reservations, David is fearless as he considers fighting Goliath, this, this giant of a man, this nearly 10-foot man. Unlike the men in the army who were David is not like the men in the Israel army there who were terrified at the sight and sound of this big guy. And David is fearless basically for two reasons. 
First, he's been in battle before. Not with a giant, but with wild animals, a lion, a bear, rescuing his sheep from, from the very mouth of a wild animal, seizing the animal by its hair, striking and killing it. This is not David's first rodeo against a fierce foe. Second, he compares Goliath to such animals, adding that this giant has defied the armies of the living God. David is faithful, as Bonnie had shared last week. In this case, faithful, I'm sorry, did I say fearful or faithful? I meant faithful. He's faithful, as Bonnie shared last week. In this case, faithful that the Lord who rescued David from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue him again, this time from the hand of the Philistine. See, David's faithfulness leads to his fearlessness. They say it again. His faithfulness leads to his fearlessness, and that's crucial. And so that's a theme that runs all throughout the Bible, faithfulness and fearlessness. We talk about faith and fear not occupying the same space. I think we can be anxious about something and, and still be faithful, but, but that all-out fear when we transfer that and look above, the faith kind of overcomes that fear. Don't think for a minute if you fear that you don't have faith, but allow the faith to cover the fear. It's a theme, this theme, faithfulness and fearlessness. We see it a lot in the New Testament, in the stories of Jesus. Now, you know, leading up to the birth of Jesus and during the birth, people were frequently told by angels to fear not. Fear not. When Jesus was talking to his disciples about his life, that he, when he would not be with them anymore in the future, um, after his death on the cross and his ascension into heaven, Jesus gave them the assurances over and over again and the promises that they had no reason to fear, that even though he wouldn't be physically with them, that he would send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with them. And so fear, faithfulness breeds fearlessness. That's important. Faithfulness breeds fearlessness. How about you? Where do you stand with this? Does your faith allow you to face your fears? Does your faith cover your fear so that the fear doesn't overcome, but the faith takes care of it? Marianne, I'm not, I'm going to call you out. I know you have surgery on Tuesday. It's a big deal. And you've been asking for prayer and your faith will carry you through that. And now you've got a whole church that's going to be praying for you. Let's pray right now. Okay. Pray right now. Most holy God, we just pray over Marianne. We pray your healing hand, Lord. We pray over the uh, doctors, nurses, technicians, whoever's involved in the surgery. And we pray uh, minimal pain, uh, recovery quickly as possible. And we look to her to be, to be back to uh, uh, better than ever <laughs> following a surgery. Thank you, Lord. Please. Uh, allow her to go uh, without fear, to, to, to be not anxious, but to know that peace that passes all understanding, Lord, 
We praise you, worship your holy name, the great healer, physician, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 Um, people, don't get nervous that I'm going to call you out if you're having surgery. <laughs> like people are like, oh, I'm not going to tell her anymore. Mary Ann have that relationship, and she wants everybody to pray for her. I know her that well. So, um, so just but, relax again. Relax, everybody. Let your faith cover your fear right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, <laughs> so back to the story. To protect David, Saul, and Saul was a big guy. Remember, Saul was like a head, a head above everybody else. I mean, he's a very tall guy. <clears throat> So he dressed, tried to dress David in his battle gear. Can you imagine this, this teenager and this, and Saul's a, a much bigger man, tried to protect in his battle gear, his tunic, his armor, his bronze helmet. That must have been a trip to look at David, you know, bundled up and all that stuff. Well, David tried to walk in it, but he had trouble. <clears throat> That's what scripture tells us. Because he was not, not only was it huge, but he wasn't used to wearing it. He'd never worn it before. And this is really important for all of us to remember. We don't go into battle wearing somebody else's gear. Right? We don't go into battle wearing somebody else's gear. God created each of us individually, giving us what we need to fight our battles. Equipping each of us to face the giants we will face. So David took off Saul's armor took his shepherd's staff in hand, <laughs> chose five through smooth stones. You know the story. Five, those five smooth stones. He carefully selected his ammunition. Carefully selected. Chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his shepherd's pouch with a sling in hand. And, I mean, basically, without any equipment except the staff and a sling and five stones, he approached the Philistine giant. Meanwhile, Goliath, with his shield-bearer in front of him... Wimp. <laughs> but would you say that to his face? <laughs> I might. Okay. I might. And fully armored from head to toe. Can you just picture this? Out there in that valley that we... In the middle of this valley, two armies on each side, this little kid with a... This teenager with a staff and a pouch and a sling, and this monster of a man fully equipped with somebody in front of him carrying his shield, um, he came closer to David. And, 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 and Goliath, it says in Scripture, despised him. And then 1 Samuel 17, 43 through 51, 43 through 51, Goliath said to David, am I a dog that you commit me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his, Goliath's God, small g gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your, your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. You know, the, the army guys are up there. They're quivering. They're shaking in their boots and their sandals. <laughs> David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll cut you down and cut off your head. Whew. Remember that. <laughs> this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army, all those guys on the other hill, <laughs> to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This kid is gutsy, isn't he? 
And those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Philistine moved closer to attack him, and David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. He reached in his bag, taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. Now, he's got a helmet on. He hit that exact vulnerable spot, didn't he? The one spot where he was vulnerable. Sank in his forehead, and he fell face down the ground. So, David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over and stood over him. Can you picture it? I mean, this huge monster of a man laying there. He stood over him. He took, and he didn't have a sword of his own, so he took the Philistine. You couldn't imagine? That sword's probably bigger than David. He took the Philistine sword, drew it from the sheath, and he killed him. He cut off his head with a sword. He did just what he said he was going to do, didn't he? Just what he said he was going to do. Man. Your turn. <laughs> so this is an example of the living word. He has read this story for his whole life, sang only mm -hmm. a boy named David. We got to do that with the VBX thing family event. Now, they probably didn't let yeah, me sing it. Probably not. They probably put me but in the band But did you hear the catch in his voice when he was reading about the magnificence of God and the faithfulness? That's what the Word of God does when we engage with the Scripture. It catches us. It gets us when we're open. Well, because of his faithfulness, David was fearless on the field of battle that day. And with God's help, he triumphed over the giant. But it was not some one-of-a-kind miracle that led David into this battle of victory. It wasn't that at all. You see, the miracle that day was that God had been preparing David all along for this moment. Do you catch that? All along. We said a few moments ago in Scripture that, that David had fought and defeated wild animals as he protected his sheep. He had done battle more than that. He, when he picked up the five stones and selected what would go in his sling into the forehead of Goliath, it wasn't something that he'd never done before. As a shepherd, he had been perfecting his slingshot skills for a long time. We're told, the Bible scholars tell us, that shepherds could sling a stone just above um, the nose of a sheep, like, like right in front of them in order to keep that animal from going across the line or out of line, keep the animal from going where it wasn't supposed to go. Pinpoint accuracy with a slingshot that day in the field of battle was not something that just happened out of the blue for David. He had been perfecting this skill as he cared for and protected his sheep. God knew what David needed that day so that God could be glorified. As David faced the giant, God had well prepared him for that moment 
just like God had well-prepared Barry from day one, redesigning and all that kind of stuff. Do you see how that works? And God's doing that in your life. And that is just amazing to think about. Yeah, so it wasn't a one-off miracle of the moment uh, that happened to David that day. Wasn't a one-off. And God does the same for you and me as well. Preparing us in advance for the giants that we will face, usually with us not even knowing it. When I went to the University of Delaware from 72 to 76, um, I got a degree in English. I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher. And I was for, for four years, just for four years. So it was four years of that, but on the other hand, I've been using those skills I learned to write a, a once-a-week research persuasion, eight- to ten-page paper for tw over 25 years of my life. Through my high school English teachers would be rolling thinking about that one. But that's, you know, what helped prepare me for that, you know? God knew way before I did what I was going to need to face my giants when called into ministry. God saw to it that I had the necessary preparation. My, my years in the insurance business, for those who don't know, I sold insurance. I was a sales manager. Um, they provided a good living for the family. At the same time, though, God was getting me ready for what I do now. Talking to people, leading, managing, preparing, encouraging. All those skills that I used then, I continue to use now. You see? God is so far out in front of us. You know, the thing about, you know, we talk about fear. We don't have to worry because, about tomorrow because God's already there. God's already there, you know. And, and, and that in and of itself is a miracle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So without David even knowing it, God had been preparing him and prepping him to face that giant named Goliath that day, faithfully and fearlessly. So the question is, what giant are you facing today? What giant is like right in front of you or even looming in the distance? We're here to tell you that God has been prepping you. And God has and is and will give you exactly what you need to face your giant. In the scripture, we're told that we only need the faith of a mustard seed. I mean, you can hardly see it to face our giants. That's all we need. God is with us. God has given you skills. God has given you talent. God has given you gifts for his glory. We should not take any claim we should not take any, any glory for that. It is all God's glory when those battles are, are won. Where is it that God's calling you to be his hands and his feet and his voice? Not just here at Connection. It could be where you work. It could be in the, in the community somewhere. And how about in your home? Our homes are our first missions spots our homes Jesus has given you what you need 
so you can faithfully and fearlessly face whatever giant is in front of you. Again, what is God prepping you for? What is God getting ready, getting you ready for? Be open because he's giving you all you need. I don't know about you, but those giants creep up and sometimes catch me unaware. And it, you know, it's like, whoa, where did that come from? And all we need to do, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but just remember the promises of God and our giants can be defeated because God is greater. God is greater. And the triumph, the battle has already been won. Remember, Jesus wrote, was dead, rose from the grave and ascended to heaven to be with God the Father Almighty. The battle has already been won. And when we accept Christ into our hearts and the Holy Spirit fills us, our armor is perfectly fit and we are ready for battle. That's the good news. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for the promises that you give us in your scripture, that you will be with us always to the ends of the earth, that you are the way, the truth, the life, that the battles have already been won, Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, and for the Holy Spirit that comes when we say yes to you, that we never, ever, ever have to face anything alone again. Lord, you're able to defeat the giants in our lives. Thank you for moving mountains, those mountains that we think are absolutely immovable. Thank you, Lord, for doing it again and again and again. And so, Lord, help us live faithfully and fearlessly. Thank you, God. We humbly praise you. I pray this in the name of your glorious name and your Son, Jesus Christ, who defeated death itself and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you give each and every one of us. That's your desire, every one of us, as we have this relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for doing it again. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website, at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.